Good to see everybody. It's good to come on over here and talk about Jesus. And just like to greet everybody from, um, from our, your friends over in Fairbury. So I can't bring them all with me. So at this time, as we turn to God's Word, will you please stand out of respect for the Word of God. Our text this morning on Reformation Sunday comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for every word that Jesus spoke while he was here on earth. Thank you that he continues to speak to us as his words resonate through Scripture and into our souls. Father, show us Jesus. Show us our one reason for confidence and assurance in this world. Show us, Father, the way home to you and the way to live faithful lives here on earth. Thank you, Father. Continue your good work in our lives and in our souls and in our homes and in our churches. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Okay. Now, come Thursday, you, should, you might want to be prepared because you might have some monsters at your door. Just so you know, they might be dressed up like vampires or wolves or politicians. Or maybe these days, maybe, maybe more ninja turtles and princesses. But there is a very high probability that these are really children. And their motivation to come to your door is not to do you harm, but their motivation is actually candy. If you are looking, however, for a real, genuine, actual monster that does and should actually terrify people... You can think about one that Luther was wrestling with about 500 years ago. Sadly, it's still around. Martin Luther called it the monster of uncertainty. So what is it? People back then in the churches themselves were being taught, you cannot know about God. And for years, like it should, this monster terrified Luther. He was struggling with this uncertainty when he wanted certainty with God. Was his repentance good enough? Was it sincere enough? And what he heard as a response was, you don't know, you can't know. Was he doing enough good works? What could he do that would finally be enough? And what he was told was, you don't know, you can't know. 
Had he achieved enough? Had the good things that he'd done somehow outweighed all the bad things that he'd done? Was it enough to be saved? And the answer he was given was, you don't know. You can't know. As he struggled with his monster, he kept trying harder and harder to do his best. But could his best ever be good enough? That was the monster that never let him have peace. Luther wanted to do enough. He was a monk, a university professor, a scholar of Scripture who was getting better and better known, a parish pastor. You'd think he had achieved, well, something. But even as much as he wanted to be perfect for God, he realized he still sinned in his actions and in his words and in his thoughts. That monster of uncertainty actually led to an even bigger monster, a more terrifying one. For him, as he struggled with this, that monster was God himself. Luther confessed that he hated this God who was so holy and so righteous and so perfect and wouldn't let him know if he had ever been perfect enough. Luther could spend hours confessing all the sins that he could think of, but then as soon as he thought he was done with confessing, that he confessed everything that he possibly could, he immediately thought of more to confess. How was he supposed to know what God thought of him? How could he know if God really loved him? Luther wondered, why can't we know? Can't God just tell us? How could he ever have any assurance that he was truly forgiven? Luther looked for the answer. He looked in the right place. He searched the scriptures. He searched what the scholars have been writing for 1,500 years. And one day he finally saw an answer. He'd passed it time after time before, but this time it seemed to reach out and grab him. But no one had ever told him the answer to that monster of uncertainty and even more to that monster that he thought that God was can be summed up in one word. The answer is Jesus. God has answered the question of when is enough really enough? Look to the cross. There is your enough. There is your good enough. There is how you know that God loves you. There is your certainty. There's your assurance. God sent His Son to earth, to the cross, for you. This is not a secret. He wants you to know. Jesus used His holiness, His innocence, and His righteousness to pay completely for all of your unholiness and all your guilt and all of your rebelliousness. Jesus gave His life so you can live. Jesus endured the agony of the cross so that you can know who God is 
and you can know that Jesus Christ has done more than just enough to save you. In the epistle text for um, a lot of churches on Reformation, what was it Paul wrote to the congregation in Rome? In Romans 3.19. In that verse, the first three words in English are, now we know. It's not now we hope. It's not now we suppose, now we guess. The cross is a lot more certain than that. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So we know, right here in God's Word, that each person, you and me and everybody you'll ever meet, is accountable to keep God's law perfectly, in whole, no exceptions. And that law shows us that we have failed. We have let God down. And if we fail, we have no hope in ourselves. We have no reason for assurance. So how are we made right with God? I think we all want to be. There's that restlessness or that emptiness in us. We want to be right with God. How can we have peace before this holy God that demands that you and I be holy? How can it be that our sins would not be held against us? God wants us to know. He tells us beginning in this Romans text in chapter 3, verse 24. You are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. So the answer, again, is Jesus. He's done everything that was necessary for your peace with God and for your assurance of salvation. Jesus has shed his blood for you, the perfectly innocent Son of God on behalf of the sinner. Jesus made himself accountable for your sins for the sins that you consider to be too little for God to notice, but he does notice, or the sins that are so big that you think that God could never, ever forgive you. But Jesus is the answer. So looking in the Romans text in chapter 3, now we know first that we sin. We know that we will never be able to be justified with God by what we do. All have sinned, all have fallen short, all of us, me, you, again, no exceptions. So none of us can stand before God and boast in ourselves. None of us can even think that we're better than anybody else, because all of us, by our own, left to our own actions and thoughts and words, put ourselves beyond the salvation of God. We are all equal in needing His mercy and His grace. The ground is truly level at the foot of the cross for all of us. 
Your personal righteousness will never measure up. So, there's more to the story because second, we know that this is also most certainly true. There is another righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves. It comes apart from what we do and if we do it well enough. This righteousness that's available for all of us is 100% perfect, 100% effective. If it were yours, it would be as if you had never, ever sinned, not even once. And you don't look to, to yourself for that. It's from Jesus. It's yours as a gift, received by faith, by trust, by reliance in what Jesus has done for you. So if you rely on yourself for peace with God, you don't know and you can't know. Enough can be a very scary, monstrous word. If you rely on Jesus, crucified and risen for you, crucified on the cross and risen from the tomb for you, on that cross as a substitute for you, on the cross with the purpose of winning your forgiveness. Yes, if you count on Jesus, now we know. We know God. We know his love. We know his forgiveness. We know his life. And the availability of that mercy and compassion, that motivates us to repent because it feels good to know that we are forgiven and that that repentance is effective only because of Christ. I'm never impressive enough before God that my doing repentance without Jesus is not going to impress him at all. But with Jesus, it's 100% effective for forgiveness. All the good works now that we do are not out of fear of God. They're not out of any sense of obligation. We do those good works now because we love our neighbors, because we want to help them. We want them to know Jesus. And those good works are a way of expressing our gratitude to the God who's done so much for us. Now that Luther knew that God was not a monster after all, this changed Luther's whole life. It changed the way that he viewed God. And starting with that moment when he posted those 95 theses on the church door, just for scholarly discussion, but that word got around and that word changed the church and it changed the world and it's still changing lives. Like Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. I don't know the answer to this and I don't think you do either, but how many people actually know that assurance in Christ? How many people are still looking for that assurance in themselves and what they have done? How many still think that they have to do enough good things in order to outweigh the bad things and that's how you make peace with God? Sometimes some very honest and decent and likable people will still say, I don't know. I don't know. 
that if I died right now that I would be saved. I hope that I'll be saved. I hope that God loves me. I hope that Jesus is for me. It's sure easy for us to think in those terms. Maybe when things aren't going our way. Maybe because we keep thinking of all the ways we mess up. Maybe when that sin keeps getting the better of us. When we really want it to be defeated and out of our lives. When it seems maybe that that one sin is just too big for God to ever be willing to forgive. God is fully aware with all of those struggles. God had Paul write down, now we know. God had John write at the end of 1 John that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We don't have to just speculate. We don't have to hope against hope. Instead, we know. Not because I'm good enough, because you know, that is unreliable. But Jesus is good enough. Not because I gave my word to God, but because God has given his word to me. And he keeps his word. Not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Not because I give enough to God, but because of everything he's given to me. We know that we have peace with God because that was Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. That is God himself speaking in Scripture to you and me. That is God's promise combined with the water for me and you. That is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ in, with, and under the bread and the cup for me. If Jesus were not for me, if he were not for you, He wouldn't have bothered to go to the cross and God would not have provided us Holy Scripture. That cross and that Bible are evidence that God is for you and loves you and cares for you and you can know it. So today is Reformation Sunday. Reformation, it's a big word, but it's all about knowing Jesus. So don't let that monster of uncertainty loose. It'll try. It'll try to crawl out from under the bed. It'll try to creep out of the closet. It'll try to reach out to you from hell. It will try to do to you what it had been doing to Luther 500 years ago, to rob you of your assurance, to get you to look to yourself for your salvation, to get you to doubt God's word, to get you to think that the cross of Jesus Christ is not enough, It's that same old, same old. It's that old whisper. From the same source that that asked Eve, did God really say? The whisper will ask you, you say that you're sorry for your sin, but are you really? It'll whisper, you repented, but did you repent enough? Is your faith strong enough If it were strong enough, wouldn't it be easy 
They're easier to resist those temptations. Why do you even still get tempted? Have you done enough? Have you done it well enough? Have you really forgiven those who have sinned against you? Do you really think that you could be forgiven? You don't know if you've done enough. You can't know. And so on. Yada, yada, yada. However, the real God, the one who created life, the one who brought us Jesus, the one who's brought us scripture, he wants us to know the truth. No ifs, no babies, no yes buts, no little whispers. Listen to Jesus instead. Because he says what he says boldly and clearly. No greater love has a man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He said it, we can trust it. We're told that he's not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. He's told you and I, along with those people he met along the way in Israel, you are forgiven. We hear again, probably not enough, What one famous theologian over in Germany said is one of the most profound theological statements human beings have ever come up with. It's this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Hold those words. Trust them. They're from God for you. Your sins can be gone. Deeper than the depths of the ocean, further than the east is from the west. Jesus took them to the cross. Don't try to take them back. They're his responsibility now, not yours. He's already paid for them. You can't add to that payment. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus Christ himself is your assurance and your confidence. Jesus is your reason that you are free from sin, free from condemnation, free from fear, and also free to serve, free to obey God, free to live here and always. You know, I noticed that in both of our churches, we started the worship service with hymn number 141, A Mighty Fortress is Our God which is a good habit for every Reformation Sunday and any other Sunday during the year. But in verse 3, there's one little phrase that has always gotten my attention and got some questions going through my mind. Because verse 3, we're singing about the defeat of the devil, which is a certain thing. And then we sing, one little word shall fell him. So to fell something is to cut a tree down so it just tumbles over. One little word shall fell the devil. Well, one little word that might fit there, of course, is Jesus. What about forgiven? Tetelestai. It's a Greek word. It means it is finished, it is accomplished, it's done. Another little word that might fit here is we know. Yes, in English it's two words. In Greek it's just one word, like in Spanish, sabemos. Okay, But one little word, we know God. He's knowable. We know him as Father, and we know his love for us. It's right there on the cross. 
We know the Savior, Jesus Christ, who's not ashamed to call us brother and sister, the one who has won forgiveness and life, even knowing exactly what it would cost him. We know his promises, which are more certain and solid and reliable than anything else in this world. We know that God is not a monster to hide from. We don't have to be afraid of him. We know that that monster of uncertainty has been defeated. May it be defeated in us by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there are a lot of struggles in this world. You know it. And we know it from experience. You know it from watching all of our lives every moment. But thank you, Father, that we have that wonderful opportunity to know as a certainty that you love us. You care for us. You are seeing us through this world. We can have that confidence and assurance as a certainty that Jesus Christ is the Savior and has won forgiveness and life for us and for everyone who trusts him. Thank you that we can look through Holy Scripture with that confidence and that boldness that these words are from you, given so we can know you. We can have you in our lives. We can have so many of our questions answered. We can know how you would have us live here. Thank you, Father, that we can stand here today and we can stand before you on Judgment Day without fear, without hiding, boldly confessing Jesus Christ as the Savior. So, Father, help us as we repent, help us as we serve, build our faith and let it thrive. And, Father, build your church and let it continue to be built on Jesus Christ, your Son, the Savior. In Jesus' name we pray.